Welcome to party in blah. Give it one more, one more time, one more take, one more take. All right, everybody. It's been a minute. Is, Is everybody game? ready? Because I I was just messing with you. Were you guys ready? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Welcome to the Party Invite Podcast, where we strive to bring together a diverse group of enthusiasts to play, discuss, and enjoy everything video games. Tonight, we have party members Thomas Egan. It's your boy. Debbie Hill. That's me. That's my Vilos. Name. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. That's Vilos. Me. Yeah. That was you. <laughs> and I am your uh, party leader, Chris Mowry. This week, we'll get a healthy dose of what we've been playing, as well as our party topic and possibly a drop. We'll find out. Uh, but let's dive right into this thing, what we've been playing. Vilos, you've been playing Nobody Saves the World. I'm very interested in this game. Mm-hmm. Hit me with it. Uh, for, for those of... For those that are that might be in chat that were here on Saturday, we uh, we did a little brunch special with Nobody Saves the World, uh, which is uh, a very nice little uh, adventure. It's as as I typed out, uh, up in the doc, it's it's just straight up enjoyable. It's exceedingly simple, uh, and it does have co-op. So we're definitely looking forward to uh, to getting a, a co-op game in or two, um, just because it it feels very much like a, a classic Zelda like. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic 2D Zelda-like. Um, the the interesting part of it is the fact that you can uh, transform from nobody, which is basically just a, a blank slate of a character, uh, into a variety of different characters uh, from like a, a rat or the ranger, which is a, a female archer. Uh, this I forget what his official name is, but a, a guard who's obviously the brute force. Um, and I believe there's there's... 15 or 17 uh, characters that you can actually uh, get throughout the course of the game. Uh, it's It seems to be kind of substantial, even though I think we we picked up five characters during that two and a half, three hour playthrough, um, yeah. including a horse, <laughs> which was uh, horrifying because each each character that you get has these soulless eyes, these soulless black eyes that just make it a little weird. Just a little bit. It's got a really great art style, though. Um, it made me think of a lot of different games, but I can't quite pinpoint what in particular that art style is. But it, it felt a little, a little bit like the the Bone comic book series. Um, well, I was watching Carlos play this the whole time, and uh, the the comparison I kept making was sorts of Ditto. It's it's, it's even like uh, the the picture at the beginning. If you've seen the trailer. Uh, your nobody character picks up this star wand that's like kind of bent and crooked, uh, but it's still magical looking. And that specifically, I was like, oh, this is like in Swords of Ditto when everything, instead of transforming into a character, it's all about picking up uh, a childlike toy that's turned into a weapon, like a yo-yo or a big you know, rubber mallet or something. Uh, but yeah, it's very distinct and has like, a, like some elements of like adventure time. Uh, not totally. It's not quite as like spooky and stuff, but some of the more lackadaisical stuff is uh, is like that. But uh, certainly pretty to look at, and it has a pretty good sense of humor throughout the whole thing. Whether yeah, that's it's, like it's physical humor or well characters written. and stuff. Uh, pretty well written. It definitely has the feel of something like a Castle Crashers uh, for sure. I, I think in a, a few more hours of gameplay, we would see some really interesting story stuff, perhaps. Uh, otherwise, right now it was just a, a 
typical fantasy trope. But I'm looking forward to playing a little bit more. Uh, I feel like for me, it's it's not quite enough for single player. Uh, definitely for co-op, it would make a big difference, especially changing different characters up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had a it did have a very interesting leveling system that felt better than most uh, action games of of this ilk. Felt a little bit more like an RPG, even though it technically is not. Um, you do have uh, a quest system that is your leveling system, so you're you're reaching these goals like you know, uh, poisoning 20 enemies, uh, and that'll get you a, a higher step on, on the rat character, something like that. So yes, very it's intriguing, like, and since it's on Game Pass, like, just grab it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like Game Pass uh, and either Xbox or Steam. I'm pretty sure it's on Xbox. Uh, and if I read correctly, those two do cross-play with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that should work. Uh, I'm looking forward to a Switch release of this game at some point. Uh, because like Sword of Ditto, it has a lot of simple things that would be fun as co-op. Like in single player, I might want more story. But in co-op, honestly don't care. Like we're just running around bopping enemies and stuff. But I like that the leveling system that you mentioned is basically based on the more you use something, the stronger they get. So you don't have to like you know, spend a point in something just to get better. Like, technically, that's true, but the more you play it, the stronger you get. So it's not like you have to spend, you know, you have to spend points on a character you don't care about. You can be like, no, I like this one. Like, Carlos, you really liked the rat. And so seeing what that one character leveled up really far looked like was cool. Like, it seemed fun to play each uh, each different person. Of course, the ranger, you didn't play very much, and... Uh, you know, it'd be like the darkest hour. You went in that one dungeon that seems to maybe not be endless. Because, like, most of the dungeons, all the, all of the dungeons had a boss and an ending, and you walk out. But this one was different, and it almost seemed like a challenge that was so hard that you're going to have to keep coming back to it throughout the game. Yeah, the, the castle itself was, like, the first major story point, so there was not a way to just quick save. Uh, mm-hmm. since you just walk up to a crystal and it saves uh, for you. Uh, so you have to complete the entire castle before um, you can progress in that. So, wow. yeah, that was, that was interesting. Like, it's technically not a hard game in the slightest, but when you're trying to change up the, the different characters and you are trying to even out the stats a little bit as far as their, their uses, um, you know, you have to go back to your original character, the rat, uh, just to get your health back up if any of the other characters are struggling. So it... There's some really good uh, points where it, it forces you to do things uh, and forces you to be a little bit more uh, creative with your with the characters that you're choosing and your attacks. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Very intriguing dungeon crawler. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, uh, really the only other game I put a decent amount of time into was Ember because uh, last yeah, week we cool. had a community night. Uh, mm-hmm. Not only did we have a community night, but we technically had a practice community night. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a couple of days beforehand, and uh, Shani led that, and we had a hell of a good time. Uh, the community night was really fun, though. We got split up into a couple different groups playing Ember, and uh, Cram and I uh, went a little wild on on our missions. But it was a it was a really good time. We found out uh, just how many different ways people can die in that game, because uh, <laughs> you can uh, you're you're not just fighting fires, but you're delivering food to people in these burning houses and you have to have them eat the food that that you're delivering before you can actually take them out of the house 
So, <laughs> so it's like so it's like overcooked, but with firefighting. Yeah, and so like one of the great things about it is that it the characters that you're playing as the Ember team is uh, is a working in a gig economy. So everything at Ember is very Amazon. They have so many Amazon jokes; it's not even funny in there. Um, and so you, you're just put in these ridiculous situations. It's such an easy game to control. Uh, works like a charm. I. I didn't notice any bugs or anything like that. It was very, uh, very well optimized, and I think everybody was working on different, uh, different PCs. And, and I think we had a couple of console players even. Uh, man, it was just so much fun. <laughs> uh, nice. I, I'm it sure was... Tiki had some more to say on it, but it, it was such a good time. Very much a game that I would record basically all footage of because you never know when something hilarious is going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um... There were just a whole lot of really goofy moments of um, discovering that when you need to bridge a gap, uh, the planks that you walk across will degrade, and eventually they'll just fall. You know, you, they break and you fall to whatever's below you, which is fire or this gross pit of sewage or just you know. Uh, you can set a ladder across there. Well, the ladders do the same thing. So it was fun to be. You'd be partnered up with somebody and you'd watch them do something hilarious that ends up. You know, they fall through the floor. They just straight up fall off the building. Um, you're you're all on the same team, but that doesn't mean you're going to do any good job of helping each other. Uh, you've got these trampolines. You know, you you jump out of the building or throw a civilian out to save them, <laughs> and you're supposed to like catch them on the trampoline. Well, you can customize your tools to be like, oh, I want this trampoline to be giant or small. Or uh, I want it to bounce extra or, or not very much. And boy, the game tells you, hey, you can launch a civilian just out anywhere as long as they either land in the safe zone or on a trampoline. Like, it doesn't matter how high up you were. You could do it as long as you do that. And uh, boy, you feel pretty bad when you throw a civilian off a roof and they just totally miss the trampoline. They're like they can die. <laughs> yeah, they're like you could have just walked me down the stairs. There's no time. Um, they poof into a skeleton. Uh, a skeleton. They poof into a skeleton when they die, and it's the funniest thing. Oh, Carlos, grapple hook. There's a grapple hook, Carlos. Yeah, there's a grapple. Odysseus, I think, was the one uh, using the grapple plenty, because uh, I did not get to grab the uh, the grapple in my playthrough. But uh, we, while I was playing with Cram, we decided that. Um, shooting ice blocks at each other was going to be a good time and it was we uh we played around in the there's a hub level before your party actually gets into your mission that you can just fuck around for as long as you want to and uh we found out the limits of the game such as uh, making one tall tower of ice cubes there are ice cubes that are about a foot uh, so you can you can shoot one underneath you and then go up in a tower straight into the sky and like uh, minecraft <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and then you find out that the the more that you make these ice blocks, the more they start disappearing from underneath you. Uh, so <laughs> it, it was a really hilarious time. Um, I, I put on on our Twitter uh, one of the mentions that um, I accidentally killed somebody because I was breaking down a door uh, with an axe, and it was not a regular axe, but a throwing axe. And so I <laughs> I hit the door, the door exploded, and there was a one of our people that we were supposed to save right behind that door. Oh and no. The the video is so funny. I had to take all the screenshots <laughs> from the video because the whenever they are close to the fire, they're just going ah, 
<laughs> like they're just waving their arms and running around. And right as I as I threw the axe, it just perfectly hits them straight in the face. They poof into a skeleton, and I'm just like, well, all right, my work here is done. Yeah, but you didn't and... do anything. <laughs> it is such a good time. It's really funny, and honestly, it's not frustrating like Overcooked can get with co-op. So like. Mm -hmm. I don't think any of us ever got frustrated with each other, um, but the the mission that's playing on the video right now, that one, boy, that one's tough. <laughs> You're, yeah. You've got an entire uh, an entire like elevator and stair system that's on fire, and you have to somehow make your way through that. Yeah. So the the levels Crazy. are yeah, almost like, like kind of a like a maze. <clears throat> if you guys have seen Seven Days to Die, the way the buildings work in that game, they're not procedurally generated they it's basically something that looks like a house where when you walk up to it you realize there's only one path to go at any given time so you'll like climb on the sandbags and then go upstairs and climb in a window and all the doors are locked except for one which you're supposed to go through and basically there's a start and finish to the way you explore every single building in the whole game and ember is like that a little bit where you're like all right i know what the house generally is going to look like uh, so now I need to figure out how to maze myself around because sometimes the stairs are blocked. Sometimes they're not. Uh, sometimes you've got to break a window, jump outside, and then find a, you know something else to climb into. Um, but they even had a couple missions that didn't even have any fire in them. Like we were escaping a factory and it was us just exploring this, this maze, uh, trying to find secrets and press buttons and you know connect wires and stuff. Uh, but it was a good time. It was, it, it, at times, like, honestly, I kind of felt like I was in, a, in an escape room. Where it's like, mm -hmm. okay, there's one exit. I just need to figure out what the game's trying to get me to do here. Uh, but yeah, it was a good time. Just like Carlos said, uh, a big perk was that it didn't have the frustration that can often come um, from Overcooked. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah, a good that's, recommend. that's yell at people stuff. Yeah, because in here, I mean, look... The worst thing that happens is the fire grows out of control. So if you want to not complete whatever objective it is and instead give your allies more time to do that, you can just spend the whole time fighting the fire. It's like Power Wash Simulator, and it's great. Uh, sometimes the fires don't go out the way you think they should, but uh, that's my favorite mm -hmm. part of the game is just putting out the fires while everybody else does whatever we're actually supposed to be doing. Because the essentially you slow the building down. There's a bar that goes down, and once it's all burned out, it doesn't matter... What else you had left to do? You have to leave. Although that's that's the other that's the only other point of frustration that could happen because sometimes somebody will be done with their job and be like, ah, oh, cool, I can just walk to the safe zone, and then somebody else will be like, no, I've got to get this this desk out of the house. It's worth fourteen dollars, <laughs> and they're like struggling in the doorway trying to fit this thing through, and we're like, come on, and the timer starts for you to get to the safe zone. And it's like eight seconds. And it's like, no, I can do it. And it's like, Dude. no, you're clearly not going to get to the safe zone. One it's like a dog that... with a big stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's genuinely hilarious even in that in that moment. So, yeah. At one point, we, we got into the safe zone with in literally the last second, the one very last second. Oh, no. Actually, I'm thinking about Deep Rock Galactic. I'm all mixed up. This happened in enough games recently with a lot of the same people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's a good one. That's on Game Pass, and uh, actually, it's on every platform. Uh, yeah. And they all have crossplay except for Switch, so you can play the game on Switch, 
but you can't play online crossplay. Uh, but yeah, good game. I think it was like twenty dollars normally. If it goes on sale, I think it was like sixteen. I hope I'm not making that up. Uh, yeah, right. Ember's a good time, and I can imagine even just playing with two people and not, you know, and still having a good time. Like, kind of like I mentioned with Extraction, it seems like a game that's completely playable with a smaller crew. Like, you don't have to have four people every time, so. God, I forgot that even came out. Jesus. Hey, if you want to try it, well. Vacation. I'm about to leave <laughs> on my own vacation. Right. But, uh, yeah. Man, that's nice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's play that sometime, Chris, because uh, there's there's fun to be had there. Just don't ask Shani about it. He's lost all sorts of characters to the <laughs> yeah to the enemies. Oh no! <laughs> I think Womp. you guys had Womp. a bad day, and then I had a bad day with him. So yeah, just, he just like, had... now we're done. <laughs> he was a trooper. He tried to stick with it, but boy, we sure lost a lot of people. And the only common thread was the uh, so Thomas uh, Ember was one of yours. Uh, let's uh. Oh, hello. Are you frozen? What? Nice. Uh, so one of yours was the. Uh... You're cutting out just at the. What's up? <laughs> uh... <laughs> we can see and hear What's you. What's but... up? Okay. <laughs> uh... Can you not hear us? Yeah, let, let me do this. Let me. Let me. Let me fix this. <laughs> oh. There's a bunch of Discord happening. In Discord right Is now. It beep, beep beep beep. Uh, Jesus Christ. I, I played uh, Disco Elysium, but we're going to talk about that uh, later. Uh, the what lunar, I was saying is the that you sale. I was, What's up? What I was going to say is that the Ember, you had also played Ember, and that was one of your choices. Yeah. For this week. Uh, so, me too. This is my <laughs> game of the week. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was in on both those. So, I watched Carlos play uh, Nobody Saves the World for brunch special, and then we played Ember actually the night before. Uh, as a community night, so yeah, that was a good time for for both of us. Uh, but yeah, Disco Elysium's a cool game that I'm going to talk about in detail later. It was on sale for like sixty percent off. I think it was seventeen dollars instead yep. of forty. And I was going to buy that game on Switch, oh, even yeah. though I was told it runs badly. Uh, but yeah, when you see sixteen dollars, like what are you going to do? So, uh, so three of us bought it, or two of us, and we're getting Lord Chrome back in. We're going to have a little book club uh, here in a little bit. So. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to convene with them, and then I'll, I'll tell you guys all about it. But I am enjoying that game. Uh, that music is definitely going to end up on my best games to AFK2 uh, game of the year thing. So. For sure. So that's me. Um, uh, so uh, something that I, that I bought also on the Lunar Sale, uh, Lunar New Year Sale, Wildermyth. Uh, this is a like tactical procedural RPG uh paper mario-esque um with the way that the uh the art style is um i had heard about this on like min max show they were talking a bunch about it um mike mahardy on the um fire escape cast was very much pushing for it in a lot of game of the year stuff um and so i was waiting for it to go on sale it did i missed it <laughs> and luckily it went on sale again hooray um that's what i'm talking about so yeah picked it up uh, i also bought sunless skies but i have not touched that one yet because wildermyth has been so great um yeah this game has its hooks in me pretty good so it's basically like you have a like campaign like there's there's multiple campaigns but you can only pick one at the beginning and uh you can either have like a hunter 
who's your like bow type character, a warrior, and a uh, mage. Uh, you can change everybody's names. You can change what they look like. All those kind of things. Um, it the way that the procedural generation works. It works in the storytelling. Uh, so random events can happen uh, that give way to. Um, uh, like for example, like there was a random event of like we we came upon this like shrine with a stone in it, uh, and the option was to like leave the stone alone and be like, "Not today, gods! I'm not gonna fuck with you." Or you could try to rip the stone out of the out of the uh, out of the thing. And so I tried to do that. It exploded, sent a shard of the stone into my eye, and then the game is like all. <laughs> all crazy it is like uh yeah you won't know uh if this was a good thing or a bad thing for years um and a lot of time passes in this game so your character grows older Uh, it's very quick it's not like it actually takes you actual years to get to it but (laughs) it's not that achievement um, in stanley parable you know don't play for seven years no 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 it is just it's faster than that and you could speed up time and do all those kind of things but um it does. Time does pass, and your characters do age. Like you'll see their hair color change. They can uh, create relationships with other people, which you know each person has their own. Um, like you were saying, Thomas, a, a poetic leader or a uh, greedy goofball. Like everybody kind of has their own traits. Uh, these can all be randomized at any t- uh, or when you like recruit a new character, you can randomize them. Uh, kind of similar to. Uh, I don't think you can randomize them, but similar to Darkest Dungeon um, mm-hmm. in that way. Uh, some of the procedural generation does create some weird stuff happening. Like, you'll see some weird sentences uh, put together, uh, but I think that's part of the silliness and fun of it. And they're um, medieval times. You know, people talk however they want. Yeah, it's fantasy times. You know, people talk weird. Uh, but the combat's fun. It's very XCOM-like. Um, everything about it just like keeps me hooked into it where like, I just want to keep going a little bit farther, a little bit farther. How is this going to change this? How is this going to change that? Um, You can reach to certain points in campaigns where people reach retirement age and they just retire and are no longer able to fight. Um, People can die. There is like, there's, I'm like, but can they die? (laughs) They can die. They can, they can can fall in love and have a child, which will then show up later on. In your campaign, pops out of um, the womb at once, twenty years old. Yeah, once he yeah, once he reaches twenty, he can now or whoever they are, they can also be non-binary. Uh, your characters can be non-binary, uh, attracted to whomever. Um, that changes how things transpire in the story, which is all like I said, procedural. Um, there's like writ- written campaigns, but the way that things happen in those campaigns are all random um, and can affect the way the story pieces together. I I would love to see a, like, you know how in uh, Detroit Become Human, it shows you, like, all the different ways this could have gone? I wish that happened in this game, or, or, like, there's, like, a, maybe there's a dev video I can watch where it, like, peels back the the sheen and like shows you how it works mm-hmm. um, because it's kind it's really impressive. Like the way things are like the decisions matter. And like, I know that like in video games, that's like a, Hey, your decisions matter. And this game very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like I think there was an option today when I was streaming Thomas where like I knew if I touched this electricity thing with my arm I'd be able to shoot electricity from my arm and I was like fuck yeah let's do that mm-hmm. well once I did that then the next uh, once once I finished that chapter uh, of the story it's all like in a book uh, once I finished that chapter it like tells you that some years pass where it's like peaceful and during that time things change like your people get older and other things change well that lady who i gave the uh, lightning arm to she now had a lightning foot and now she has a stomp ability that allows her to um if they're in the area and she stomps they could become stunned uh but they have to be in close range of her and she's a mage or uh yeah and she's a mage so she'd be at distance mm-hmm. um and like once I did that, it would take away like some of her armor or something like that. So there's like a, a give and take of things. You don't just get, I mean, you do get super powerful with some of the weapons and stuff you can acquire. But like, it's interesting how it can kind of carry over. Um, so like, I beat my first campaign. Um, and when I beat it, it was like a big boss fight and everything. And it was really fun. I didn't lose anybody the whole, whole time. It was the first, my first campaign. And then it was like, make uh, certain of these characters legacy characters, which they can be used on subsequent stories. And I was like, huh. And I was kind of confused on how it worked, but it was like, uh, you add a legacy score to this character and a legacy score to that character. Like, one of mine, he became like a local legend, and he was a two-star, and the other guy was a folk hero and was a one-star. And I'm wondering if I use them in other campaigns, will that then rank them up even more, get more abilities and things like that? It's just... It's wildly fascinating, like the, the way the the all the mechanics and stuff are working together. The fact that um, it's a procedurally generated RPG and it doesn't just completely fall apart at the seams is pretty cool. Yeah, like yeah, uh, it's in, it's fascinating. Th- I think there's like fun watching or like a, an alignment system. Like, can you be evil too? Uh, so like, there was like, like there's like certain things. Like, so there was a one of my characters said he had a dark heart. Um, and because of that, he had like some weird side missions about being a dark heart that would t- lead him down dark paths. He and also we suggested. We didn't make fun of that at all. No. Uh, like, is this Spider Man 3? What is this? When they go, okay, we need to name <laughs> our group. Heart, yeah. Yeah, it's like, we need to name our group. And everybody's like, yeah, let's name our group something cool. And he's like, yeah. The crimson, the, the, tr- <laughs> the troop of the crimson mouth. And we're like, what? <laughs> Okay, vampire yeah, cool. dude. Uh, right. <laughs> looks a like, creepy. Man, you got no chill. Yeah. We all um, gotta go by this name, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. It's just, there's interesting stuff going on there. It's really cool. Um, it's under 20 bucks, and I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of playtime out of it. Um, like a ton. Um, Sounds like an like playtime. Uh, no, no, no. It, it, it's not that. It's not that crazy. Um, it's just because, uh, like I said, the campaign I beat. Like once I really started going, I, it was two days, and I beat that first campaign. Um, and then it was, you know, uh, on to the next campaign, which I'm on now, which is so much more difficult than the first one. Chris like um, walks out the front door and breaks all of his legs. It's yes. a tough time. Like if you wanted to see what it looked like when this game turned up the heat. We're finding out. So each time, each like, there's a certain amount of time that'll pass, and it has a bar up or a shield up at the top that'll fill up and let you know when it's going to happen. But uh, and it, 
the enemy groups, there's like four or five of them. They each get cards um, after certain points, and those like buff their guys. So it could be like, oh, well, this smaller creature now has more health and uh, more um, attack. But you can thwart those with uh, some of your legacy points. You could spend those in order to stop it. There's crafting. You can craft better weapons and stuff as long as you have the materials. It's it's pretty crazy. It's it feels like it is an RPG to be played in like small doses, but you could play it for a very long time. Does that make sense? Like you could play, like I said, that first campaign two days and I knocked it out and it wasn't like two full days or anything crazy. Um, two very long sessions. And then, um, yeah, then you're on a new campaign and it's like a completely different thing. Um, I'm wondering when I'll start to see stuff bleeding over, you know, from like other stories into it. I'm I'm interested to see when that actually happens, or if it, it will happen. It uh, reminded me a whole bunch of Darkest Dungeon, between like mm-hmm. the the permadeath stuff, but also the like, you can really customize these characters so you can make them exactly who you want them to be, and yep. each choice that that individual character makes, uh, it can't necessarily be stopped by the other characters that's to say i asked chris i was like hey you just got a cool weapon on this guy can you give that weapon to someone else the answer is no which makes you live with your consequences but also like even though yeah your squad is a team they don't like share an inventory or anything like that like each of the decisions they make will impact the rest of the party but they are the main focus of whatever decision is happening uh now there's a little there's a little bit of a twist to that like uh, because I beat that campaign, that first campaign, all of those cool items and like legendary items I had obtained can technically be available in other stories. I just have to have crazy amounts of crafting components, I believe, in order to make those happen. Mm-hmm. So like I had like some big ass like uh, spear that was like super awesome in in my first campaign uh, that I think I can eventually get in. Uh, other campaigns as well. But, oh, it's like a, you know, a hidden. Or it's like a legacy item or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if I can craft it or what. Uh, but... Find it in a spooky crypt. I mean, that's kind of what you were doing earlier today, right? Chris, Chris yeah. starts his new campaign. All of his characters are level one, and he walks into this, I don't know, tower, and there's a tapestry to one of his old, powerful crew members from the last campaign. And he's like, should I touch it? And we're like, yeah, touch it, you know. And he touched it. Boy, shouldn't have touched and, it. <laughs> and even before I touched it, it was like her in the middle, and she was like this really cool mage I had. And I was like, oh, I wonder, well, if this other mage touches it, then maybe he will become, like, get all of her stuff. That'd be awesome. That's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> so right before I touch it, like right as I'm clicking touch it, I see that there are like, spider legs all around it like on the tapestry and i was like ah, well that should be fine click <laughs> spider legs cool. and arms come out of the tapestry and force me into a fight that i am nowhere near prepared for um i found out that people can be maimed um in battle <laughs> a which, useful discovery uh so when you die like your health points hit zero for the first time you can be maimed which you just retreat from the battle uh but that can be a number of things like you could lose power like uh, this guy no longer had he loses two health for the rest of the game 
and he'll have like a scar on his face or something. But the other way that can manifest is like I didn't even realize is one of my ladies now has a hook for a hand because she has no hand anymore. Um, and now she has an attack with her hook hand. Uh, and I was like, ah, oh, well, this is great. And then what was so wild is that immediately after that battle, one of my other mage is like talking to this hunter who now has a hook for a hand who now she can't use a bow. She has to use a crossbow. Um, <laughs> this mage starts talking to her, goes, hey, does that feel weird? Like started talking about her missing a hand. And I was like, what is happening? How, how is this like so intuitive to what's going like every decision that's happening in the game, every consequence, like it's, it's very cool. Um, it's not like, uh, I don't think the, I think some of the graphics and stuff or lack thereof might be off putting to some people, but I would suggest giving it a try. I mean, it's under, it's under 20 bucks on steam right now, or it was, if that sales over that sale might be over um but the game's super cool wilder myth mm-hmm. and we're back we're back <laughs> Let's, uh... with the party topic pew, 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 pew. <laughs> uh let's see so what's our party topic this week video games it's it's this little thing called pokemon uh legends uh which, which uh, name are we going <laughs> Arceus, are we going with Arceus? There's also a story that that it was originally supposed to be uh, Arceus. Uh, I say Arceus because that's how it's said in Japan. And if it's the same name yeah. in both countries, I'm going to go with the people who like made the series. So. Now, I, I heard <laughs> that's that probably I, a good call. Debbie, are you uh, are you caught up on the movies? Because I heard that they actually changed that in the dubs uh, a few times. What? For, yeah. What? Why Tale is this conflicting so worlds? Yeah. Well, I so, mean, do they say it in the Japanese dubs as Arceus? Apparently, and this was just a, a story that I, I read through, but uh, I, I think it was mostly for the English language. But they did change it between like three different versions. But naturally, I, I still say it Arceus, but I will never say it on purpose Arceus. <laughs> it just doesn't, like, why? Arceus. I mean, so... <laughs> Okay, so you say that, Chris, but uh, the way that it's presented in the games, there is a Pokemon named Silvalli that has the ability RKS mm-hmm. system, which is basically like a cheap ripoff of Arce- uh Look at me. <laughs> of, um, Arceus's ability, uh, which is multi-type. And if you change its type uh, with the plates, it'll become whatever plate you give it, like the type of that. So the RKS system, RKS obviously referring to Arceus, but, you know, RKS. So it's... It's funny that you say that because that's also a, a way that people have said it because of that. So, yeah, that, so, that so sounds like, like a... let's call him God. Let's call him God. God. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like well, we get in trouble for that. Like <laughs> that's that sounds like a very Xbox One X S S series type of situation where everything is named too closely similar. See, it Ugh. looks like Odysseus is an Arceus sayer. Just gonna throw that one out. Wow, oh. narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, let's talk about ODYS. You know, um, let's talk about this Pokemon's. Tell me all the things. <laughs> um, uh, since I, I've got much less time in it, I'll I'll do my little intro and and Devi have at it just fucking the floor. Yeah, um, no, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna edge it a little bit here. Um, so. 
as far as my experience with the game, uh, I have really just barely gotten out of the tutorial stuff, but uh, it really guides you through this completely... Uh, I feel like it's almost completely new experience um, as far as you know, setting up this wild new world for us uh, in the olden days where uh, Pokeballs are now made out of freaking apricorns and uh, stones that you totally cannot make Pokeballs this way, but sure. It's like, I've seen Pokeballs, <laughs> and they don't work like that. You can't just rub a couple but, sticks together and you catch a Pokemon. Right? <laughs> and so it, it really actually kind of delves into the uh, lore that people that have not been familiar probably just have no idea about. So it, it feels really good that this is a, a title that feels like it's for newcomers as well as the people that do know the lore. Uh, I, I'm sure Debbie's going to be in, in some way satisfied here uh, with this game. But I uh, did want to say that uh, it's the it actually sold 1.4 million in Japan in the first three days. That is uh, the top-selling game in Japan was Animal Crossing New Horizons, and that was about, I think it was 1.8 mil. Number one, Japan almost never sells a million in its first week, period. Um but this was three days that it sold 1.4. So we might, later on this week, we might actually see a new record for Japan sales. Uh, this was all according to Famitsu. So wow. uh, it's wild. It's great to see. And uh, I feel like a whole lot of uh, new people are getting into it, especially with the Twitterverse. Uh, a lot of people that you would not expect to play any Pokemon game on stream ever are all of a sudden all about that because, you know, revenue. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's it's very fun to see actual excitement for Pokemon again because, uh, you know, Pearl and, and Diamond had a, a little bit of a rough patch just because there were, there were so many uh, differing opinions on, on well, you should re remake the game my way. <laughs> so a lot, of, a lot of terrible conversation there, but uh, generally it seems like a lot of people are enjoying this one a whole lot more than than the most recent uh, takes on Pokemon. So uh, good to see that. Yeah. And so Devi, what, where are we starting with this? <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's, it's hard to say, like it's an open world, so it's open gambit, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I'm going to start with what you said about how new people are jumping into the game uh, for the first time, because yeah, people get on like the, the game of band, like the year or whatever, the flavor of the month. Uh, but it's also like a new direction for the franchise. You know, it's the very first, real open world game uh, that we've gotten, you know, we've gotten a taste of that with Sword and Shield uh, and, you know, the wild areas and then with the DLCs, the Isle of Armor and the Crown Tundra. So we know kind of like, we knew kind of what they were going with when they started doing that direction. But this is like the first full game that uses that. And so people who are enjoying like games like Breath of the Wild, or I've even heard it compared to Skyrim, uh, like gameplay wise, uh, they'll want to jump in on this one, you know, because it's that big same open world experience. Even the UI is similar to Breath of the Wild, which I thought was like really off-putting at first, but since I was familiar <laughs> with that UI, it was kind of comforting in this like yeah. new like game style. So it was I was accessible like, I don't know what I'm really getting into. Yeah. You say what? It was accessible still. Yeah. 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 That's a good word for it. Uh, one of our favorite words. <laughs> uh, so I really enjoy the fact that people are finally getting into, like, I wonder if people have been putting off Pokemon for a while because it's a children's game. <laughs> but like, 
it's it's got some really deep elements to it that people don't realize because of that like childish like surface like I, I this is the first game that actually like really really mentions death a lot because the commander Silene, she's like oh yeah you're gonna die out there but don't you die on my watch because we're paying you and shelter we'll give that to someone else don't die and then you come back alive and she's like congratulations he didn't die just like i ordered have some have some dinner <laughs> like, i do so think it's cold. it's funny that just in the first couple hours of the game, the whole world is just like, you have to earn your keep. Like, I don't know how you could just fall out of the sky and expect that we're going to help you out for free. <laughs> like, yeah, what? it kind of hits me particularly hard because, like, I'm a black person. And so, like, I'm just, like, in this old-ass, like, country with, you know, old-fashioned people. And they're just like, we don't trust you. We don't know who you are. You're yeah. suspicious. What are you like, doing here? And I'm like, I get it because, you know, I literally fell out of the sky. But y'all praise a sky god. So, like... Shouldn't I be like a gift to y'all? Like, what's going on here? (laughs) Uh, But talking about that, the lore in Sinnoh has always been really, like, grandiose. You know, you play Diamond and Pearl, you play Platinum, you learn all about, like, the lore of uh, Dialga and Palkia and how they were, like, the children of Arkit. You got me saying it, Carlos. Thank you. (laughs) Of uh, Arceus you know, creating the whole dichotomy between space and time. And then I haven't even gotten into the point to the game yet where they talk about the trio, the pixies, because I've been spending so much time shiny hunting for Buneary and I finally caught one. And I don't know why it keeps holding up my gameplay. I just wanted one. <laughs> but we're here and we're actually progressing. I I finally beat the first like major boss of the game, which is Cleaver. Um, and now I'm procrastinating on the second boss because there's just so much to do in the second area that I just, there's always so much to do. I always get distracted. Always get distracted. It's so easy. Yeah, that, it's just like that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to ask is if the open world actually had like interesting things to do besides just go here, do that, like go there, catch that Pokemon. Or is there like other kind of little side questy type things to do? Well, there are a bunch of side quests that you will progressively earn the ability to do as you progress in the story, you know, as any RPG will have. Yeah. Um, one of the complaints that people have expressed about the game is how there aren't very many NPCs scattered throughout the big open areas. There mm-hmm. are, you know, NPCs there, but they just say generic NPC stuff like, if you sneak up behind a Pokemon, blah, 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 you know, whatever. But you do get side quests from some of them. So considering it's not a larger scale, and I'm going to bring up Breath of the Wild a lot because, you know, it's the best what's the word I'm looking for? I guess comparison uh, for people to be familiar with. But compared right. to Breath of the Wild, uh, Legends of Seis does not have nearly the expanse of that game. So of course, Breath of the Wild is going to have like more NPCs scattered throughout because if it didn't, could you imagine exploring that big open world? <laughs> It'd be like driving through the Midwest. There's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that Legends of Seis can get away with not having as many scattered people like throughout the land like fulfilling the empty areas because there's not as much empty area to fill right yeah and and unlike you debbie like i've never honestly felt the need to get anywhere near uh completing my pokedex but this game is the one that makes you want to Uh, i feel like it has the the most drive to do so and it does it in an interesting way with the with the way that the missions are laid out that you are um trying to complete very specific things for each of the Pokemon that you pick up. 
whether that's defeating them, defeating this number in battle or catching this many or catching this many undercover, um, that does make it a whole lot more interesting. And I, I haven't caught all that many Pokemon, but the fact that um, I'm sure there's a few more rare Pokemon out there that have, like, you have to do all of those tasks before really getting anywhere with the progress. So, uh, yeah, it, you have a, lo- a whole lot more motivation in this one, I think. Yeah, and the way that it's uh, that you actually document the creatures too. So you do all the research tasks in the Pokedex, which will then unlock more data for that Pokedex. And so there's a research level at which you can, uh, there are like thresholds that you reach. So when you do enough research tasks the first time, it's completing. And so that just gives you enough data to like fill the page for the Pokedex, but it's not complete, complete. So if you defeat, or if you complete all of the research tasks, then it's perfected. And um, that's what you really are going to want to go for if you want to do like 100% completion, which you already know, I'm already going to. <laughs> like, I'm having too much fun with this game not to just devote my entire life to it like I have, uh, you know, Shining Pearl. I'm mm-hmm. like, I was talking in chat earlier about how I feel guilty ignoring all of the other stuff that I could be playing. But like, I'm a serial gamer. Like, I will stick with one game for like years and years and years, basically. I will sit outside of its house. I'll have my binoculars there. For, I'm just I'll be watching. <laughs> forever (laughs) and i think that the how easy it is to get on board with pla makes it really easy to just lose yourself in you know you're doing all of these side quests you're completing the pokedex and all the while it's just like this subtle atmospheric music on these pastoral landscapes with like a beautiful sky like the sky if you look up especially at night oh my gosh oh yeah it is gorgeous and it really makes me wonder how people can complain about the quote-unquote fidelity of the game, especially after they've been playing Skyrim for who knows how long, and that game is ugly as, you know. <laughs> uh, when you look at the, the moves, the attacks, when you look at the models of the of the game, like Heracross, I saw a picture of Heracross's eyes, and it has compound eyes, like the actual, oh, nice. you know, multi-lensical eyes. Uh, mm. The water is gorgeous. Like I said, the sky... Everything just looks so great. The only thing that I really think is a miss is like the land textures. Yeah, the but, ground. I mean, I'm cool. I'm moving so so fast about the land anyway. I don't really care. But I'm it, like I'm not staring at the ground, you know. <laughs> but it also looks like the ground. I mean, you know, in this time yeah. period, they're not going to have it all laid out the same way that you would have if you have all these machines taking out the land, you know, over years and years. So you you gotta it's give and take with that. Yeah. I think I think my favorite part of the game, though, is how it taps into actual ancient Japanese culture. Uh, some of the clans are based on like actual professions of the past. So a lot of the Pearl Clan, uh, whom you'll meet later in the game, they're like one of the two major clans that you'll meet, the Diamond and the Pearl Clan, because, you know, obviously. Um, they are based on Japanese oyster divers called hmm. the Ainu, I believe. And, uh, or no, the Ainu is the, the main characters, like the, with the garb and the banana and everything in the scarf, they're based on the Ainu. But there is a pearl diving or an oyster diving clan that the pearl clan is based on, which makes sense because, you know, oysters, pearls, blah, blah, blah. So the way that they incorporate, especially like with the way of the living, like the lifestyle and everything, it feels like I'm touring into Japan, uh, especially with like the way that they have you go about collecting some of these things. It treats them like, ancient Japanese people revered their pantheon. You know, it, it's it's really nice, especially coming from other games that do that. 
that touch on ancient Japanese culture. It, mm-hmm. it has a similarity and familiarity that is welcoming, but also spins it in a way that's new and makes me want to learn more. It's exciting to see, uh, you know, an open world Pokemon game. Uh, as someone who hasn't played Pokemon in, I don't know, 15 years, maybe. Uh, this is definitely the most I've been interested in actually playing one um, in that in that whole time. Um, you know, there are lots of things that are different, but there are plenty of things that seem familiar. Uh, I mean, I watched uh, Odysseus stream. I watched a couple of people play in Discord. Uh, and then I even watched a little bit of stuff on Twitch or on YouTube. But uh, it's it's gotten like a different loop to it that really satisfies my exploration uh, itch. And I like that, uh, like at first I, I really didn't care for how, well, I didn't have a strong opinion on how the game looked because I mostly was just looking at the ground textures because since I had it on, on like a second screen, I would only see, you know, little bits and pieces. I wasn't really paying attention. So most of what I was looking at was the ground. And so at first I was like, is there just a lot of space with nothing in it? But I think what I was seeing was like the edge of the areas that you can go to. So there wasn't anything there because that's the end. Like I I rarely looked over like when somebody was facing a big field uh, or was in one of the more open spaces. I was always like tuning in when they were looking, they were at the side. Um, so because like, excuse me, I also saw a lot of boss fights which are in these self-contained arenas kind of. And I mistook those for like the some of the bigger open area places. Like they're, the ones that I saw are all uh, pre. Um, they happen because of the plot, as far as I can tell. So I was getting confused on, um, you know, how the map was laid out. But after watching more of it, uh, the fact that you can just kind of cruise around on your mount, depending on whatever biome you're in, uh, I really like that. Just sailing along and, uh, you know, taking the world. And I always mention that I liked Wind Waker. Just sailing around with with almost nothing around and just an occasional like, oh, look at that cool thing. Um, these give you reasons to like hang out and kind of see, you know, the environment's different here. The Pokemon that uh, spawn here are different because it's raining uh, and stuff like that. So, yeah, as, a, as somebody who really likes weather and atmosphere and stuff and just going out and seeing what's there, uh, man, yeah, this is really the first Pokemon game that reached out and grabbed me for that. Still, no, I, I don't know. I'm probably not going to play it, but I'm going to continue enjoying <laughs> uh, watching a bunch of people play. And it's just fun to see the hype around it, you know? It almost feels like Pokemon Go. Uh, like the collective unity of the Pokemon community uh, is just, everyone is talking about it. I muted the freight, like before the game came out, I didn't want to see like any leaks, any at all. I made a Facebook status about it. I said, if you even joke about leaking, I'm blocking you forever. Like, uh, so when I finally unmuted the phrases I had muted on Twitter, which is basically Pokemon, Legends, Arceus, uh, Hisui, Forms, Starters, like a whole bunch of like relevant terms to the game. Like it was it was nice and peaceful and quiet. I finally unmuted them. And it's like that the freaking uh, infomercial <laughs> where the Tupperware comes all coming out of the cabinet. It was just <laughs> everything is Pokemon, Legends, Arceus. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is what I've been blocking. Like right. It's just nonstop. And people are just loving it especially after all the backlash that it received when it was first announced or whatever. I was mm-hmm. just like, really, y'all? Really? Is that backlash? <laughs> the way they flip-flopped. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
and yeah, still people are still talking about the the graphics, but it's a much less. These people, uh, what are they? The last game, so these people that are complaining about the graphics, what the hell are you expecting? Like, I don't know what yeah. they're expecting, but it's not going to be running in Unreal Engine Five. Nothing on a Nintendo system is going to do that. Well, like, so for for my perspective, day, I, I was <laughs> because of the comparisons people drawn to Breath of the Wild. I thought some, I thought most of the game would look like that which for me if you compare those side to side and i've talked about mostly looking at just like the grass breath of the wild has really good grass so when oh, pokemon yeah. didn't have really good grass i was like all right i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> wow moving to seattle you really care about that grass <laughs> makes then sense you, so you got to move it up to the tree level and that that was a sword and shield snafu thing but i mean it's it's really great because the meme ability of this game is even higher than oh, it was the roof. and yeah uh, of course we saw it when we were watching crazy eights playthrough in discord uh tegan but um that his moment of uh getting in a fight and getting completely blindsided i cannot <laughs> tell you how many hyper beam videos i've seen this week because there's always a Pokemon that happens to have Hyper Beam and is super pissed off. And you're just like trying to get this rando little little dude over here. You're like, I, I, I need that Pokemon. And then this alpha comes out of nowhere on screen, just Hyper Beams the hell out of your Pokemon or your character. And it's done. Like, Man, what kind of so Pokemon many... has pent up rage that they're just using their Hyper Beam as their first move, their opening move? <laughs> Man. So many great moments. This uh, game is literally the definition of, like, it's on site. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the highlight reel after this week, for sure. Uh, That'll be a good one. Be so many good ones. Yeah. Uh, I saw one just before getting on uh, that was, you can see an Electabuzz, like, 200, at least 200 feet away, and it just, like, turns and is, starts slowly running, like, like at the end of a football field, <laughs> just <laughs> running towards the character, and you're like, "Really? I'm so far away. Why would you? Why would you do this?" It, it looks. My favorite it, one is uh, the Rapidash. She like knocks something out with a hyper beam, and then like looks at the trainer, and she's just like, "Like you're nice. <laughs> <laughs> Say something." <laughs> uh, but like speaking of the battling, it's not just you know being ambushed by giant Pokemon with hyper beam. Uh, it's more. Action, what's it called? ATB action time bar, like from Final Fantasy, uh, where oh, yeah, it's like yeah. turn based, but like not. Yeah, I, so, I know what you're talking about. Kind of reminds me of uh, somebody described it as having a tactical pause system, where yeah. it's like it's not turn based, but you can hit pause and like reorient yourself at any time, which I think is a wonderful addition to any video game. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. You can change it to an extent because you have uh, agile style and strong style moves uh, that you can use, and it definitely does put a little bit more into Pokemon than than anything has lately. Um, but not even just the the battles, but the the capturing itself. Like I was not a fan of the uh, the Let's Go series because I don't like just catching Pokemon for experience, and that's it. Like I want to battle. And uh, I, I didn't really get that out of that game, but in this one, uh, having the, that extra motivation and being able to see like the the EV uh, stats, uh, like just from your little Pokedex entries, it's like completely game changing to me. I think the the difference between Let's Go and Legends Arceus is that 
in Let's Go, it's a lot more linear. Like there's the only reason that you want to catch a Pokemon is, you know, you're trying to catch the Pokemon or you're looking for a specific Pokemon to have on your team mm. and then that's it, you know. But in PLA, you are, it's it's almost like a hunt. It's more of a hunt, uh, which is what draws people to compare it to Monster Hunter as well. Because you have like, you know, the hub that you go into the, the, the overworld in or whatever. But then you're just, in Let's Go, you're just walking around and then you engage and then you do your little throw or your curve or whatever. But in PLA, you're literally just secret agent sneaking up on Pokemon. You're like throwing shrouds of smoke. You're distracting them with food. It almost feels like a Tenchu game, kind of. If you, if anyone's ever played a Tenchu game, like, or maybe uh, akin to Metal Gear Solid. You just, there are so many ways that you can approach what you want to do. And it's so open in, in the solutions to a problem that you're trying to solve that just chucking the Pokeballs at, you know, I mean, that's a legitimate thing, but you can also battle, you can sneak up on them or whatever. And I think that, as compared to Let's Go, softens the blow of the whole catching, just random catching mechanic. Because mm-hmm. it feels more intuitive and it feels more thrilling honestly yeah and there's still going to be those moments where you'll have the the upper hand on a pokemon you'll have its its back will be to you and you're like oh yeah this is probably like a low level thing i'm just going to throw it you throw it in and it breaks out immediately and then it starts running away and then you're like okay fine i really wanted the rapidash but i guess i guess it's not going to happen today or it breaks um, out and immediately turns to face you, and then you engage in battle, and then two more Pokemon just come out of nowhere, exactly. just like, hey, what's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we jump it, y'all. We throw in hands. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of a lot more room for for really great moments. Um, it almost doesn't feel like Pokemon, but it's very exciting. It's the most not Pokemon Pokemon yet, <laughs> which is weird because Rangers exists. <laughs> I just Rangers. hope that we get more games that explore the past uh, because we have Pokemon Conquest for the DS. And I'm going to wrap this up here in a sec. But like, uh, you know, which explored ancient Japan again. But actual Japan, like the, bag- the Battle of Nobunaga, etc. But now we have PLA, which explores ancient Sinnoh, which is known as Hisui back then. And it's interesting to see how many other regions they keep mentioning that are older than this. Like a lot of people think that this is the very first Pokedex ever to be created. But it's not because... Kanto, Johto, and Hoenn are all mentioned by people as being older than Hisui. Like, this is ah, Hisui right the now. foretold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right now, Hisui is just forming. Like, it's very, very new. People and places haven't been established yet. But they're older. Like, even Alola is older than uh, Hisui. So it's really neat that we're in the past... But not so in the past that you know we're not carving up cave paintings or whatever. Uh, it's it's just that right amount of past. <laughs> is there is there a cave uh, a caveman Pokemon? I think I saw. I don't. I don't know There's if this is canon. Pokemon. I saw a. I was looking up a video because Chris played uh, what, the Planet Coaster. I looked up a video, yeah. and tied to it was uh. One of the 3DS games, uh, it was a Pokemon game where you, like, battled, but then if your Pokemon was dirty after the battle, you, like, brushed them. Oh, that like... was in Pokemon on me in X and Y. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, 
you're talking specifically about in the middle of the battle. So after you defeat a Pokemon, you can rub the the bottom screen and it'll like do a little brushing, mm-hmm. like Ta-da! yeah. I think that was in um, it was in X and Y and also Sun and Moon. Well, so they had so they did that, which I thought was novel. They compared it to uh, one of the, like the Barbie horse adventure games where you <laughs> pet and clean your horse, and uh, they had another Pokemon in there that was like a sumo wrestler. His his whole description was that he's just really sweaty, and in the context of that game, it was like he can switch into sweaty stance, and I'm like, oh, having this Ugh. game only have like the strong stance and the fast stance, whichever they're called, in in uh, Arceus. Am I are saying that right? Yeah. Oh god. Because there were three different ways. Remember how long it took me to say Henry Cavill's name right? <laughs> um Words are hard. Anyway, I was like, wow, there's a sweat Pokemon. Like this is the world we live in. <laughs> uh, you know. You know how it is. Yeah, I, I will say that after playing this game, I don't think I want to live in a Pokemon world anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I just real. be dead. Yeah. They dangerous. Yeah, they spooky. Um, do we do we want to watch that little commercial? Oh sure, we'll uh, pop this on. You guys will be a tiny bit behind me, but uh, let's switch this over. All right, this this is called an antique. This is on the official Pokemon uh, YouTube channel. Yes, I gotta watch it on Twitch, and I have an ad. No, oh, oh same. Hold- <laughs> well, all right, we're pausing. We're pausing. We're going back. Skirt. We're going back in time. We've fallen out of the sky, and there's a Pokemon video playing. Everyone's confused why we're here. I'm ready. I just, I just love that when you're, because this is an Isekai game. I mean, there's no other way around it. It's an Isekai. So when you're transported to this, you know, world or whatever, your phone falls out of your pocket, and then God's just like, as it does. Ew. Let me upgrade you. Hold on, wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then throughout the game, he'll be texted you like, you up. You better seek out all Pokemon. Oh, you. <laughs> does he really text you when you're out yes. in the? Oh, yes. that's funny. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. I can't. I can't wait to see what the actual ending is to make the logic make sense. <laughs> that's funny. That's like an Let's Undertale now I have a when they're like, wheel "Oh my push. gosh, you found! You know, you fell into this magical world. It's medieval, and there are creatures everywhere." Anyway, here's a burner phone. <laughs> you know, here's a phone. Just, just uh, text me if you're ever in trouble. It's like what? What kind of world is this? Uh, yeah, so that's a huge game, and it's really excited. It's exciting to see people excited about it. Uh, like you yeah. said, um, there are people playing this game that I never thought I'd see playing a Pokemon game. Uh, you know, I shoot even uh, Lord Chrome's over there. I usually attribute action games to Lord Chrome. He loves Apex, God of War. Uh, you know, he likes his high octane. He plays other stuff too. Uh, but, but action's usually a big part of it. And so when he was like hyped to get this thing going, I'm like, okay, I'm tuning in. It's Black History Month on Switch. Mm-hmm. We actually hey. have one of our own uh, representing Party Invite and you know his own his own channel up in there. Uh, yeah. Big news for him. Um, I put his name. Uh, Julius Cairo is his uh, Twitch name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, nice. I didn't put it in the doc, but I had it like written down like in front of me, and I don't know, Tia knocked it away or something, but. <laughs> Congratulations, first of all, to getting on the carousel. Congrats. Uh, that is amazing. And secondly, Twitch, we are watching you because after the debt loop debacle, uh, where you only feature one person of color in your whole advertisement for Death Loop, which is oh. primarily like a black headed game. Yeah. Or at least a person yep. of color headed game. 
uh, with two main, you know, black characters. Like, ah. And then all the hate raids, how they handled the hate raids from last year. They're just like, we'll look into it, I guess. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that was some limp-wristed handling of that, for sure. They really just said, we apologize, and then implemented, like, no features to prevent it. Like, at all. Like, how are we supposed to create content on your platform if we don't feel safe? Yeah. Mm. So... I don't know. Hate raids have been happening. Um, So, like, I've I've been seeing people tweet about hate raids happening already, but luckily there are some tools out there, like Commander Root, uh, which can help you, and uh, the Stream Deck, if you have one, oh my gosh, so invaluable, to help you mitigate the damage from that if you ever receive one. So if y'all out there streaming, getting a hate raid, look into the tools that you can have to prevent, because Twitch ain't gonna prevent it! (laughs) So. Anyway, that's my thing. Happy Black History Month, y'all. And, um, yes, I am unapologetically Black. We out here. So, yes. Congratulations again to Julius L. Cairo as well. Mm-hmm. And Gertz. Well said. Uh, cool. Who's next? Uh, I can quickly say that um, Sony bought Bungie. Yeah, they did. Um, they don't plan on making Destiny 2 an exclusive title. Good. Um, maybe some of their other stuff that they do will be, but Destiny 2 will not be. I also just saw an article... Uh, not that long ago that said uh, that they're paying a crazy amount of money just to retain talent. Uh, So there was like people that wanted to leave Bungie when the acquisition happened uh, and they signed over more money in order to make sure that didn't happen. Uh, Like a lot of money. Uh, It could have been a billion. I'm not sure. I quickly read it. (laughs) I was like, oh, oh, that's a lot of money. Um, But there's a Kotaku article about it. Uh, but it was all to basically just retain people at Bungie. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yep. We'll see. And yet, uh, Sony is spending $1.2 billion to keep Destiny 2 devs from leaving, as the Kotaku. Oh my it. gosh. That's that a so lot much of money. money. Yeah. That's cr- that is wild. Which also means they didn't really want to be there. So I mean, the, the actual employee base is something around seven to 800 uh, at Bungie. So pretty. Uh, Pretty substantial uh, bonus wow. for all those people. Good <laughs> luck and uh, <laughs> Godspeed. Um, Hopefully it works reminder, out. Just a, a reminder, just like we talked about the Activision Blizzard thing, this is still something that we won't know shit about until one and a half, two years down the road uh, as far as what it actually means, but pretty interesting for sure. Yeah. I, I spoke with somebody who works at Activision Blizzard and they are like, nothing has changed. We're just, exactly. we're still doing the same thing. Takes a it time. still has to go through, like, there's multiple places, uh, multiple countries that they're in that have to, it has to be approved through all this. It's going to be a long time before we're hearing a bunch of, like, actual concrete stuff about what's going on, so. <laughs> also, they have... Nintendo has come out and stated that they don't care about the arms race or whatever about acquisitions, <laughs> which makes sense because they've always Surprising. done that thing and they never yeah. cared about anyone nope. else. So <laughs> don't give it don't give a hoot. Uh what do we got uh, next? Uh <laughs> I could talk yeah, sorry, sorry, I keep forgetting to get the doc right in front of me. Uh I could tell you that uh Discord just announced integration with uh PlayStation. I, I think I said that backwards. Nick. PlayStation integration is now on Discord. Which doesn't mean that Discord is on the PlayStation. That is not what that means. Uh, What that means is that you can sign into Discord and tie your account in. The same way my Xbox stuff is is all on there. 
Uh, so, like, if I owned an Xbox, you could always tell what I'm playing, which is the way I like it. Um, you could say, oh, Thomas is playing Back for Blood on his Xbox. Whether or not he's in front of his computer, you know, I can reach him through Discord, and this tells me that he's playing. So I could say, hey, you know, do you want to squat up? Uh, for PlayStation, that would be nice, because right now the only way I can tell if a, like, PlayStation-only person is playing something is if I turn on my PlayStation. And I'm not trying to turn on the PlayStation to check my friends list. Uh, the only other way would be to use one of the not very good uh, PlayStation apps on my phone. So, you know, I, I don't want to do any of that stuff. So the fact that this integration is on Discord is pretty cool because my PlayStation actually is away from my PC. So it just makes it easier to group up, uh, see what people are playing and, and run all that stuff through Discord instead of run jumping through all these hoops of like, you know, there's a PlayStation app and then there's a PlayStation messaging app and they both have different login processes and they don't talk to each other. It's obnoxious. So if we can skip all that and only yeah. use Discord, pretty cool. So that's out. It's Very free. Cool. It's optional as always. You know, you don't have to connect your accounts at all. But if you're like me, kind of a power user in there. Good news. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Uh, my little news blip, well, I dropped a link in chat already, but... Uh, Bloodborne PSX dropped uh, a couple days ago, and that Indeed. is the uh, the demake, uh, a modded version that uh, an indie dev made. Uh, a little, I think it's a three to five hour segment of Bloodborne in PlayStation One style graphics, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, lots of great reviews on it. People love it. Uh, it's absolutely free on itch.io. Like, why would you not want to play it? And it's already had a couple updates um, from the people that have played it. Uh, the dev made a couple updates and was like, oh, yeah, it, it's not so broken today. So uh, I would highly recommend checking it out. I'm going <laughs> to play through it this weekend, uh, knock that out, and uh, I'm probably going to drop a review after the weekend because I feel like I'm going to like it a whole lot. Uh, Sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that looked yeah. impressive. At first, I thought it was just another one of those headlines that's just like, oh, somebody's making a thing behind closed doors. Mm. You're never going to see it, probably. Um. Because sometimes you'll see that with demake headlines. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't realize that this was out in the wild already. Uh, I knew yeah. the project was done, but I didn't think it was playable. Absolutely free, quick to download. Yeah, totally worth it. Man, itch.io. Get to play knockoff Squid Games, PlayStation <laughs> demakes, and more. And, and Mr. Clean. And Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot forget oh, that. <laughs> Um, other than that, uh, my last words uh, is that I think for brunch special this weekend, I'm probably going to be playing Fae Tactics. Uh, if anybody's down for that, it's it might be another cute game, um, but I think Fae Tactics is going to work. Uh, it looks really great. It looks like a, a nice, wholesome version of Final Fantasy Tactics, and that is right up my alley. Uh, so anybody that's that's a, a fan of our, our uh, brunch specials, drop on by around noon on saturday that's probably what you're gonna see heck yeah hell yeah yeah i think uh uh my last word uh is i'm gonna be in the open invite channel tonight uh i have a business phone call to make but uh after that i'll be in there playing some wildermyth uh i also want to throw in the uh i may just stream the planet coaster official soundtrack in there for a while because it's so good and it's very good afk music um I'm talking about uh, but both but both of those games Wildermyth and Planet Coaster do fit very well into a brunch special um because they're both very kind of calm and relaxing uh yeah so um 
uh, I may be able to do some of those soon. So yeah, that'd be great. I've I've enjoyed watching that stuff. Oh shoot, I'm seeing I'm pulling out a chat here. What's up, Stevo? He says uh, Russ and he and Russ started playing Elder Scrolls Online, which uh, hell uh -oh. yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I hope you guys really enjoy that. Uh, it's I been would nice like to. to... I'd like to see some of that, so feel free to pop some into the open invite stream, uh, invite channels at some point and uh, stream us what you're playing, because that game is interesting. Yeah, it's cool. There's uh, a lot of great story. I mean, I've said enough. I don't need to say it more. Uh, but the, the stories are great, and the upcoming DLC is story-oriented, uh, and I'm excited for it. Um, I actually talked about that last week. They They did a Bethesda reveal so we got to see a bunch of fun stuff from it but uh yeah it's cool uh steve's i've seen steve ask a couple of questions in in chat and i know we've got a bunch of players who have um you know they're happy to offer their experience which is great because like when i've asked lizzie questions sometimes i'm like man you know what you clearly know what you're doing what <laughs> what's going yeah. on uh you know i said as an aside here uh a friend of mine shared a meme that's like it looks like an emulator for the N64, but it has like the different UIs from every single game. You know, it's got like the Ocarina of Time buttons over here and the Mario 64 health bar and uh, just, you know, stuff from GoldenEye and stuff from every single game, right? And I looked at that, I'm like, this is what watching an MMO feels like. Because you've got <laughs> uh, like the, the place they're in, I think it's from Mario Kart, but the person standing there is Banjo-Kazooie. And I'm like, man, yeah, whenever I watch like a WoW stream, I'm like, okay, there's a person in the middle and every different UI you've, you could possibly imagine all over the screen. I don't know what's going on. Um, but Elder Scrolls is a bit better for that. It's a little more cinematic. But anyway, I'm excited to hear that you guys are playing that. That's a fun one. Uh, what else we got? Oh, you know, uh, one last thing. I don't know if we're finished with the drop or, or not, but uh, the New York Times bought Wordle. Uh, for what I think a million dollars, uh, it's I saw somewhere in the six-figure range. I saw the uh, I saw the Onion headline that was like the the like joke response was, "Wow, only a publication like the Times would buy, spend a million dollars on a game that's free." Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So that's fun. I've, uh, I've never played a game of Wordle. I don't understand the appeal, especially since it's just just one a day. And there are like other apps where you could just like I, I played that. wordscapes yeah, like yeah. that was well, fun. So, so that's okay. that's the point is that there's only one for everybody. So when you do it, I've seen all these great stories of people being like, oh, man, my family's group chat is actually fun again because we're all sharing our Wordle scores. Oh, you know, that's so wholesome. yeah. So it's stuff like that where it's uh, like the game is this, you know, is this big. But the but the social interaction and the appeal you get of being able to have a thing in common that you can talk about. That's where the the beauty of that game lies. Uh, so I, I'm interested in what the future of that is. And even if if the future is uninteresting, it's been fun to see this as a flash in the pan that uh, connects people outside of the gaming sphere. You know, people who never play any game will play Wordle. Uh, so I like yep. that. It's been just a real novel thing. And, and I've even seen a couple of people mention it as like, so far in 2022 as one of the most influential games we've seen, which I don't think I can disagree with uh, just because of how far it has reached. Uh, I mean, not unlike Pokemon, this is a game that reaches the types of people who aren't your typical everyday players. Evan's been playing a lot of Wordle. 
What so. category win on Twitch? Yeah. Wait, what did you say, Debbie? I said Wordle category win on Twitch. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying there already was one, and I'm thinking, doesn't even shock. Uh, I got a couple people who literally only stream for Wordle. That's the only thing they stream at all. And so they just hop on, stream for 30 minutes, hang out, not on like our brunch special. And then. Wait, there uh, actually is a category for it? Well, I don't know if there's a category for it, but I no, like, know people who, the, the uh, who play it. But yeah, Weird. I mean, it's a thing, you know? So Interesting Words times. on stream is cooler. <laughs> I, I would say Words on stream is cooler. But yeah, we, we do have, uh, I think it's Giggle Pants that uh, is one of the Wordle streamers. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry. Group, so yep, Giggle Pants. That's right. <laughs> uh, go, in, go into that Discord and uh, you'll see the, uh, you'll see Giggle Pants' uh, uh, stream notification. Uh, but that one's perfect because he does both. He starts his stream with uh, Words on stream or ends it, you know? But like the Wordle, he'll kind of just work through. But, uh, you know, having the extra interactive thing where it's like, oh, well, now we all get to play together is, is a novel thing. Um, yeah. he, he said he basically started streaming because all, all of his friends were like uh, discussing their practices. You know, like you have to start with a five-letter word. And so the strategy there is like, well, you kind of, well, depending on who you are, uh, you kind of want to have a word that has at least two vowels in it so you can determine which vowels you know, are, are in the, the word you're trying to guess because if you have enough vowels in the first one, there's a decent chance that you could guess it in the second, uh, in the second guess. Uh, but he was like, basically, our friends got so into explaining to each other their different strategies that he was like, you know what? I'm not going to tell you how I did it. I'm going to stream it, and then I'm going to tell you to go watch the video. Uh, you know, so it's a fun thing. It's like, I don't play. That's why I get to enjoy that. But if I was somebody who played, I'd want to like do it on my phone first or on my computer and then go back and see how other people do it. Kind of analyze how people approach, you know, how does the whole world approach one single puzzle? So, I don't know. There's a, there's fun to be had there. It's cool flash in the pan. Words. Right. That's right. They're hard. <laughs> They're tough as shit. Uh, well, cool. I think that's all we've got for the drop then. Uh, Carlos, yeah, you said draw. Fate Tactics. You said uh, Brunch Special at noon yep. Central on Saturday. Yep. Noon, baby. Uh, yeah, we just had our Ember Community Night, um, which was a lot of fun. If you're somebody who liked what we had to say about that, pop into our Discord and you're going to be able to find people who want to play uh, at different times throughout the week. Uh, I'm about to go out of town, but our Project Zomboid server is a dedicated server, meaning anybody can play on it while I'm gone. Just please don't make, you know, don't burn the whole server down, please. Uh, but actually, in, in Project Zomboid, the the power and water just went out for the first time, so things are a little bit tougher. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a fun, it's an exciting journey so far in, that, in that server. <laughs> Say that again. I said happy playing, y'all. Yep. <laughs> You ain't got nothing. That's right. Uh, so uh, what else do we have? There was one other thing. Um, but yeah, we'll be back uh, again soon. I mean, we'll, we'll be back for the podcast next week and then uh, yep. see uh, see if there's a brunch special the following weekend. Uh, but y'all, this has been a wonderful time. Bye. Peace. Bye. It's pronounced our say it's okay, bye. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>